Hello everyone, welcome back to the show. Uh, Tom and Dee are not here this week, but we didn't want to skip another week without a podcast. Um, we have a very exciting guest with us today, Mr. Dirk Stevens from Task Spotting. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Tali. How, How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Great. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself, about the company, about the journey. We want to hear it all. All right, you want to hear it all? Um, <laughs> sure. Um, so about me, uh, I'm originally from Germany. I know it sounds doesn't sound that way, but uh, <laughs> so I'm half German, half American, uh, born and raised in a small village in Germany. And then my parents emigrated to the U.S. and uh, hence the heavy American yeah. accent, right? Uh, I ended up going to uh, California for university uh, and then uh, ended up back in Europe. I kind of had the hunger to go back to Europe uh, during my career. Um, and I already moved myself into sort of uh, the technology space, which is what really has excited me uh, most of my career. And uh, I was in fintech mm. before it was known as fintech. We were at the crossroads of finance and technology, I guess is what we always used to say. Um, got to Europe and then I had an opportunity to come to Dubai um, and jumped on that opportunity. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, from there, it's just, you know, uh, we got to, uh, let's see, I, <coughs> I, I went to business school basically here. I got my executive MBA at uh, INSEAD um, and then um, task spotting sort of came out of that program. Um, and then, yeah, the rest is history. I've been here nine years now. It's amazing how fast time is flying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've all planned to come to Dubai for a couple of years and then it just expands I, to I like a lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy, yeah. So um, tell us about task spotting. Um, I know I chatted to you a little bit about that. Mm -hmm. I actually came across it a few years ago. I joined as a user because, you know, working in social, you have to just get on every tool, every platform that comes out and just check, check out what's going on. And it was very interesting at the time when I joined, there was um, Barilla, I think. Barilla Pasta, Barilla yeah. Pasta brand. Uh, they were looking for people who would sample mm -hmm. some of their products. Uh, they would send it to their homes and uh, all they ask is just you try the product, you post on social and you give your honest feedback, which for me was very interesting. Um, but it has developed more than that since then. Right? Well, it's magic. I mean, you yeah. <laughs> you joined uh, you joined our platform as a spotter uh, right after we made uh, a big pivot. Hmm. Um, so the the idea that we launched with as task spotting, hence the the name task spotting, may may not really fit what we do now. Um, but when we launched it, it was a um, a mobile market research platform. Hmm. <clears throat> so basically, consumers could download our app, uh, and then brands. I think when we launched, we had Pepsi, uh, Fiat Chrysler, and um, Mars Chocolates as a, as clients. Um, and the idea was that a spotter could download our app and then go out and go do store checks or showroom checks or uh, mystery shopping, right? The idea was just to be able to do gather market research for these brands. And, and yeah, that's, so that's what we launched. We, we got a bunch of people to join and, and uh, we started seeing great results. I mean, we were delivering really great results for, for the likes of Pepsi and Mars and, and Fiat Chrysler. Uh, in fact, I think that was one of the weird ones. We, we were asked to send people around to shop showrooms like of different, oh. different car makers. <laughs> uh, and I thought no one's going to go and <laughs> go to a showroom to check out a car, you know? And, mm. um, and, and yeah, I think we were paying like 20 dirhams or something like that per visit you were doing. Okay. And then in one weekend, boom, all the visits were done. Everybody was happy. And we were like, this is amazing. Wow. Um, so the platform rewards you in different ways, not just products, right? At, at the time. So when, when you do, 
when you do that kind of stuff, mobile market research, uh, you need to sort of incentivize people, mm. right? You need to give them a reason to get off the couch and go to the yeah. showroom or go to the store. Um, so that's what we started with. And, and we were delivering great results. The problem was is that what we started seeing is that the brands that we were dealing with, they always had an emergency. They wanted to check stuff. Um, they only had discretionary budgets at their disposal. Mm. And this wasn't really adding up, right? We were delivering great results, but we weren't getting the value for the results we were delivering. Um, and so, so we started looking at a pivot. We basically went to talk to these clients and we said, look, if we give you um, thousands of consumers who are interested in your brand, um, what would you like them to do? And obviously the marketing teams are always like saying, oh, well, buy more product, like buy my product. Yeah. Like, okay, great. So what else can we get these people to do for you? And then they said, uh, I think I can't remember who it was, but someone told us basically like, well, tell their friends to buy my product. All right. So we thought, mm, okay, wait a minute. So you're telling me if I have 10,000 people who are interested in your brand and I convince them to tell their friends to buy your product, this would be interesting to you? And they said, yes, absolutely. Are you kidding? Like <laughs> word of mouth marketing is like the holy grail of marketing. Yeah. Right. So, um, so then that's what we did. We basically said, okay, let's see if we can pivot the model from market research where we were competing with Ipsos and Nielsen and these guys like who had global contracts in place. Hmm. Um, and let's see if we can help the marketeers get the word out about their brands. And so we, uh, we added social media features, which is when you came on board, right? Mm. Uh, and joined as a spotter. Yeah. Um, so Barilla and I think Pons were some of our first case studies that we did. We did one for Listerine as well, um, where we did that exactly. We, we asked consumers, hey, are you interested in this brand? They basically put their hand up and said, yes, I'm, I love this brand, right? And I'm interested in participating. Um, if you got selected, you got a package shipped to you mm. from us, um, basically from the brand, but from us. Uh, and in return, all we asked is that you basically try the product and then maybe make a post on social media just to say, hey, thanks, Barilla, or thanks, whoever, right, mm. uh, for this really cool gift. Um, and then review the product. Yeah. And that was it. So, but the magic behind that is that we have all these psychological triggers that are in place to make that happen, right, in a way that we're where we have, uh, you know, first of all, you're volunteering your time. Yeah. I'm not paying you to do this, right? Uh, yes, you might get a gift, but in the end, like it's uh, someone volunteering their time. They've put their hand up for that particular brand, so they're interested. Uh, second, we have sort of uh, uh, urgency, right? There's a, this is a limited campaign, come join us. There's also limited supply, but the big psychological trigger that helps us is this psychology of reciprocity, hmm. right? So if I give you something, you kind of need to give me something in return, yeah. right? And as long as the ask in return is not greater than the perceived value of the product that you got or the gift that you got from me, um, you'd be very likely to do it. Yeah. And in fact, we were averaging 60 to 70% conversion rates. Mm. So gift boxes that went out, 60 to 70% of those consumers did anything we asked them to do. Interesting. Within reason, obviously, yeah. right? <laughs> no, because honestly, it's, it's a very different way of doing, uh, I wouldn't say advertising, but when it comes to advertising or um, you're just scrolling through social media or YouTube, you get served the ad, the brand comes to you yep. while this one is the other way around. You're, you've put your hand up and said, oh, actually, I, I want to know more about this. Even if you don't like the brand and just want to sample the product. Um, True, we, but we have ways of filtering you out. Ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> there's, uh, there's, there's really, you know, that we obviously we, we face the challenge with gamers, people who are like mm. coming on to try to get free product or, or win prizes. Um, and, and luckily for us, most of these kind of individuals, 
have created a separate uh, social media account and they've invited like five of their friends into that account so it looks <coughs> real. Um, they're all sharing the same profiles and, and so we can quickly eliminate them. Hmm. Um, but you're right, I mean, it is true advocacy. So consumers come on the platform and they, they say, I really like this brand, right? Uh, we, we launched a campaign for Nivea skin cleanser. Uh, and and I mean it was just amazing. The uh, the the women were just like I love this I love this skin cleanser. I, you know I use it all the time. And then of course when when she would post this on her page, all of her girlfriends would chime in. Hmm. Right. We were seeing for for every post we were seeing at least ten engagements, wow. likes or comments on the back of every post that was made. So it was because it's back to what you were saying. It's real people. It's people who are talking to their friends. And um, it's very interesting in that whole um, micro-influencers debate and uh, micro versus macro versus nano. I know that you don't like all of these <laughs> terminologies, but I quite like what you call them as um, everyday people, right? Yeah, everyday um, influence is yeah. what we like to go out with. Because every one of us, we have these people. If I want to buy a new mobile phone, I know the friend I'm going to reach out to. 100%. You know? uh, if I want to buy, like, uh, if I want to try new restaurants, I know the friend who I'm going to reach out to. Uh, that's usually me. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's interesting that you would use the everyday influencers, or sorry, everyday people, as, yeah. you, as you call them, to reach out to their friends and say, I'm trying this product. And what I really liked is you've asked people to give their honest review. So have you faced actually people posting um, after they've received the product saying, oh, I didn't like this product or? Uh, no, ah. it's, it's strange, um, but I think it's also, again, one of the psychological triggers. Um, when, again, you're volunteering to be here, so you yeah. clearly already like the brand, right? Or you like the category and you might, maybe if it's a new product, you want to switch to something, mm. you're happy to do that. Um, now the old adage that, you know, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. Yeah this comes into play. So we see people who basically, you know, they, they, they get the product and they're like, meh, and they don't like it and yeah. they, they just don't post about it, but they will leave a review. Hmm. So there is a review process in there as well that we built in early on where we gathered reviews from every one of these consumers um, about the product. And it, it basically only came back to the brand. We never asked people to go out on social about it, right? We never told them, hey, yeah. go post your review somewhere. Um, although now more and more of the brands are asking us, can we go out on like, Amazon and the likes, right? Mm. Um, to to share these reviews, right? Uh, Noon, I think, does this as well. Anyway, like they they use syndicated reviews. Okay. So there's basically a, a site that's gathered a whole bunch of reviews about tech stuff, mm. and and they pull those reviews in. Yeah. Right into yeah. there, but and you as a consumer, I don't even know if you can leave a review on Noon on if Noon, you buy no. a product, right? Yeah. I'm not sure if it exists. Yeah. And whereas in Amazon, you obviously can, and they yeah. want you to have a verified review. But even that, if you look at Amazon.ae, they they have um, they have reviews from their world platform, yeah. right? So you can see other people's. Yeah. So I don't have to go and find Amazon.com and figure out what people have said about a product. Um, but you're right. I mean, back to the point. It's authentic. Right. It's relevant mm. <clears throat> and it generally is talkable like these like three little key metrics. Right. And what we saw was that the content that was being created by these consumers was 60 percent more engaging as mm. in like more people were you know, engaging on what that piece of content was. Um, and of course, the people who are posting. Um, their friends are three times more likely to trust what they're saying about the product because they yeah. don't feel like it's, you know, coming from a, a you know, place where like, oh, you're paid to do that. Yeah. Right? Now that and, that, and that of course is something that we have tried very hard to avoid, right? Mm -hmm. If for instance, my wife would 
be part of one of these campaigns and let's say she was part of the Nivea crowd and she posted something on her social about Nivea and then we recycle her next week and she's doing something about ponds or in the next week mm. she's doing something about L'Oreal suddenly her girlfriends are like what are you what are you doing yeah. right like yeah. this doesn't look real anymore so what we try to do is we say okay like look if this consumer is part of the Nivea crowd they're that's it they're yeah. in the Nivea crowd they're in, in a branded crowd so one of the differences between what we did um, and other platforms like ours is that um, we don't curate a crowd. Hmm. By curating a crowd, you basically are harnessing like, you know, oh, I have now a million people on my platform um, that any brand can tap into, Yeah. right? So now you're just recycling these consumers yeah. and, you know, I mean, yeah, some of them are clamoring to become influencers and become, you know, key opinion leaders in their hmm. specific field, right? Um, but recycling doesn't really, it, it loses the authenticity, yeah. right? And so uh, we try everything we can to keep that authenticity. Yeah, and defeats the whole purpose of what you're doing. Yeah, look, I mean, influencer marketing works. We know it, right? Yeah. It basically, if you if you give a product some celebrity influencer and they basically post about it, people are gonna they're gonna at least it's gonna pique interest, right? Yeah. Um, however, when like I said, when you post something about a new restaurant you've been to, your friends who see it, they're like, aha, I trust his opinion. Yeah, he definitely knows food, so I'm gonna go give it a try. Right? Mm. So they they believe you more and there's more authenticity there than let's say just yeah. you know, the influencer side. And the real engagement is more probable in these situations as well. So it's not just a like and a move on. If I have any questions, I'm more likely to DM my friend about it than to yeah. reach out to a big influencer who probably is not gonna reply back to me. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's, that's the interesting angle of it. Another interesting angle for me is honestly um, not just the awareness of it, but brands can also get to get real opinions about a new line of products, right? Yes, uh, correct. Do brands use task spotting for something like that? In fact, they do. We have brands who've, who've figured it out. They know mm -hmm. that when they go into a new market. So, so just for reference, I mean, we, we operate in 14 markets oh. across Middle East Africa and Southeast Asia. Nice. Uh, and the kind of uh, companies like Unilever, P&G, and so on, they're mm -hmm. using us across these regions. And what some of these guys have found out is that basically, um, before I go out with an NPD, a new product development, right, I need to understand how, what's the market reaction to this mm. product. So what they do is they'll send out a small batch, like say 100, maybe 200, maybe 300 product um, into this market and get feedback directly from these consumers. So you're doing sort of in-home testing of the product instead yeah. of sort of having a panel discussion, right? Mm. Um, and, and they're getting that feedback and they're using that feedback to then build the bigger brand messaging and yeah. comms plan for that big launch, yeah. right? So now we know people like the smell, they, they associate the colors that I've put with the smell, this is great, um, and now I can go out and say, hey, this is the new, whatever, minty flavored mm. product that yeah. I have, right? Is everybody in, you know, on yeah. board with this? Um, and so we see that. Nice. Right? Back to the journey, so, mm -hmm you've launched this as a certain like market research product. It pivoted into that very interesting platform and which is now operating in 14 markets. Um, what were the challenges along the way with something like that? Oh, all right, um, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so as an entrepreneur, like it's, it's definitely, it's a daily challenge, mm. right? You have the grind. It's funny, like when I speak at my business school, I, I reference, um, I didn't ever watch this series uh, when it was out, when it was big. Hmm. I watched it afterwards, uh, the series Breaking Bad. Oh. I'm sure you know it, right? 
And it's funny when I bring this up as a reference in business school, they're all like, what? Breaking Bad? <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Like methamphetamines, whatever, like a crystal meth? Like, mm. But in, in fact, it is like that struggle Walter goes through every day getting up and like, I've got product. I don't have a market. Now I have a market that's flooded. Now I've got a competitor coming in. Now I've got the authorities chasing me. Like this is like, you know, this is the stuff you, you, you see as an entrepreneur. Um, so, so some of our challenges that we faced is obviously the first one was the business pivot, right? So mm. we, we were doing a lot of uh, great work, but not seeing the value. Mm. So as an entrepreneur, like at some point you have to take a decision and say, okay, this isn't working. Like we are not going to, we raised money and that money is going to be gone and the revenue that we're generating is not going to cover right, the business. Um, so the pivot was huge. Uh, it actually uh, increased our revenue by 10x on a monthly basis, uh, which was really good for us. Um, then new markets, right? New market yeah. openings. Um, for us to open a new market, all we really need is a, a local courier company, like someone to deliver the product, right? So the brands put the product in our warehouse at mm. the courier, and then we ship it out. However, those, there's also issues there, right? So when we launched, for instance, our first campaign in Indonesia, uh, the, the brand was super excited about it. And then they came to us and said, um, by the way, you have a smartphone app. Uh, Indonesia is predominantly feature phone. So mm. do you have something to solve for that? And we're like, what? <laughs> like, so we, 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 we were like, okay, what do we do? And, and so we built very rapidly, we built a, a web app. Mm. All right? So basically it would work on feature phones and any phone. Uh, and then we launched it into that market and it was, and then we also translated the entire platform into Bahasa Indonesia. Um, and, and it, and it worked and it was as successful as the mobile app. Yeah. And we thought, okay, so this is something we should look at because one of the things that we were getting, one of the complaints we were getting from brands is why am I paying you money to have people download your app hmm. tasks, money, right? And we kept facing this and, you know, we had our reasons for why they were doing this, but suddenly this went away. We're making a web app. It's completely branded for you. And these consumers are coming in only for your brand. Mm. Done. We all good? They said, yeah, we like it. Now we lost some like flexibility with what we could, how we could notify people and things like that. Yeah. But we figured out ways around it. Um, so then I, like I mentioned, the courier companies, we needed to always tie up with a courier, uh, make sure that they were like a local courier that could deliver for us. Yeah. Um, then the, the other challenge that we faced was obviously, who do we go to? Who's our, who's our sort of um, target client? Is it the brand or is it an agency? Right? <laughs> Most often we went to the brands because they were the ones who basically had the money and they were controlling the dollars. And the closer you are to that, the, you know, the easier it is. Um, they would push us over to their agencies occasionally. Um, and then some agencies that got it, like were really excited about it. Like they would jump on it and say like, Hey, I've got a whole bunch of clients I want to introduce this to, which was fabulous. But some agencies saw us as a threat. They were like, wait, you're taking away from my media budget. You were taking away from this budget. You know, like mm. I, clients are, and I, I have to do what, you know, like we tried <laughs> to explain to them what they had to do. We said, look, we will, we'll take care of most of it. We just need you to, you know, create a, a, a nice ad, that's going to run, that's going to help recruit people and, and so on. But this was a struggle, right? Yeah. But the agencies, like for instance, creative agencies totally got it mm. and they loved it because they were like, okay, I can actually plug this into a creative campaign I have. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and work. So that, those are like the main ones. And then, yeah. and then we, we learned as well, like who's our ideal client profile. <laughs> this was a big one. So in the early days we chased anybody who was interested in word of mouth marketing, right? We ended up learning that FMCG companies, someone who has a product to ship, those are 
that's really our, our ICP. Um, but we tried finance, we tried telco, hmm. and I and and it was always a challenge um, when we when we got the inbound request for this. It was like who. I was just trying to think to myself, who have I ever met who said something nice about their bank? I don't, I don't want to throw <laughs> banks under the bus, but I mean, do you go around bragging about your bank, yeah. right? No. Do you go around bragging about your phone company that yeah. you use, right? It's not the category that has the most advocates. Like That's it. Yeah. I mean, the, the stuff you see, and now, now that I'm on the social listening side mm. of things, you, the stuff you really see, people posting about these sectors is yeah. like they're complaining right like yeah. it's complaints that you see most versus the you know the hey i love this and i can't believe this is the first time i've ever heard of this you know yeah. like it doesn't happen so so again we we eliminated uh, at, at at least for task spotting and for word of mouth advocacy we eliminated sort of financial services uh in uh, and then telcos which just wasn't something we could do yeah. it's it's harder to send people something as well like yes uh with fmcg brands it's easy to just send them a product Indeed. sample this and everyone loves food yep. uh, any food or beverage product they're gonna try it in, in their home try it with their friends but finance um, or anything like that i just can't imagine what would they reach out to a free credit card i don't yeah. know if you can already <laughs> do that right yeah um but also the the one of the things we've been looking at is the luxury space, mm. right? So we work in mainly um, mastige and lower sort of category, um, but the luxury space is also very interesting. Uh, the challenge is to get the kind of reach that we want to get for a client. They would need to send out minimum like a thousand gifts, yeah. telling a luxury brand, "Hey, can you send out a thousand <laughs> of that product?" They're like, "My product has 400, you know, dirhams." Uh, no, I'm not going <laughs> to send that out, yeah. right? Um, but on the other hand, I mean, we, we, we have made proposals where we said, like, look, what, why don't we get people excited about the brand ahead of time? Um, and, and then, you know, we only we reward 100 people, right? So we limit the amount of gifts that are going out. Um, I think I made a, um, well, we, we came up with an idea for Ray-Ban, for instance, right? Like, everybody's got a pair of Ray-Bans laying in their drawer somewhere, right? Um, and we said, like, you know, let's do a Throwback Thursday campaign, right? And we say, share with us a photo of your oldest pair of Ray-Bans. Right? Mm. even like ones you inherited from your dad or whatever, um, for your chance to win a brand new pair of Ray-Bans, right? right? Like that that kind of an idea. Um, it hasn't really hit the traction that I was looking no. for, but you know, whatever. It's yeah. <laughs> work in progress. Yeah. Right? So you've recently been acquired by Crowd Analyzer. And for those of you who don't know, Crowd Analyzer is um, a social media monitoring um, I would say just a monitoring tool in general focus on Arabic language. Um, we've uh, interviewed Ahmed, who's the CEO of Crowd Analyzer before. So tell us about the acquisition. Like how did it, how did it happen? What, what does it mean for uh, people who use Crowd Analyzer as their monitoring platform? How can they tap into task spotting as now um, a brand or another platform under Crowd Analyzer? Uh, good question. Uh, so, so, Crowd Analyzer now, I feel like it's a, a truly bilingual Arabic and English listening tool. Yeah. So you got out there, like you, you know, you can listen get and grab sentiment. It was it was really amazing when I when I, I actually I met I met Ahmed and Baha in uh, at In Five when we were all starting off uh, mm. as startups in In Five, the incubator in uh, Internet City, and and then I think it was about this time last year that he and I met and we started discussing like, hey, what kind of a collaboration could we do here? Like, what could we do to work together? He said one of the things that his platform was able to deliver, Crowd Analyzer was able to deliver to brands is 
to tell them, look, this is what people are saying about you on social media, yeah. right? Good, bad, or indifferent. And obviously then brands are like, oh gosh, uh, my, my sentiment is negative or, or what are people saying about me? It's not, it's not what I want them to say. And like, how do I change that? And there was no solution for that. Hmm. Right? And so crowd analyzer could tell you, this is what people are saying, but you didn't have a solution to fix it. Yeah. Whereas we started discussing like, well, actually with task spotting, you could start to change the conversation like and move it into a direction you want it to, to go in, right? Um, because all the consumers are gonna be educated about the brand. They're all, again, they're volunteering their time. They're all yeah. advocates of the brand as well. Um, so you start to get more share of voice. Uh, the sentiment starts turning if you were able to do that, right? Um, and so that's, that's when we started really having conversations. We're like, he's like, this would be great if we could be able to offer this. Like on the one side, listening, monitoring, and community management, great. And then the brand says, I'd like to change this that sentiment, yeah. is, is there something I can do? And mm -hmm. then we can say, actually we do, we have a solution for that. Right. So we'll ultimately we'll rebrand task spotting under the crowd analyzer. Um, you know, something like activate, right. So, yeah. cause that, cause that's it. You can listen and, and, and monitor and now you can activate. Yeah. Right. So this is, uh, the, the great angle that uh, we were looking at nice. and, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to a lot of collaborations together. We have one idea already in mind where the crowd analyzer tool allows you to identify um, and, and audit influencers, not only the bigger influencers, but also the nano influencers. What are people saying about yeah. my brand, um, in a region? So what we are able to do is we can identify them and then we can invite those specific influencers who are driving the conversation about that particular topic. Let's say baby care in Saudi Arabia. I don't know, like <laughs> random topic, right? But like, let's say that, and then, and then invite them in to join a campaign on task spotting for that brand who wants to be associated with positive things around baby care. And then we run the campaign as usual on task spotting. Um, but in the background, crowd analyzers monitoring the entire campaign for you, 360, everything else that the brand is doing around that. And at the end of it, we can give them a report saying, here's what it did. Hmm. Here's your share of voice during that time. Here's what the sentiment has done and so on. Very interesting. Um, Dirk, I want to talk to you for hours about this. I think we can uh, delve into a lot of interesting conversations, but uh, since we're running out of time, I just want to end it with, um, I would say, a question or a recommendation from you to brands. Is like, what do you suggest for brands to do in terms of activating their everyday advocates? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, look, I mean, um my notes I had like at the, at the headline, I had something about like, you know, that 30% of consumers are now using uh, ad blockers, right? Um, people are paying for streaming services so they don't get interrupted, right? So I, I want uninterrupted viewing of my whatever movie that I'm watching or yeah. my music that I'm listening to. And, and interruption, I mean, interrupting people's sort of flow is, was the traditional way of doing things. And, and I think we could move away from that, right? A, at least a bit. Um, and that is, again, using, uh, invite your consumers in, right? Make them feel special. And when I say special, I mean, okay, but like if you're launching a new line, let's say, let's say Gillette Razors is launching a new, mm. uh, it's close to my heart, right? You know, like they're la launching a new line of razors and, and they want to get people excited. Uh, and and basically invite invite me in and and make me an advocate by sending me a nice gift box and getting me excited about the brand so i want to talk about it right yeah. like i use them every day right and and 
if they had something new and fancy that they wanted me to talk about, I'm happy to talk about it. In fact, you know, this concept of like, if I could put somebody at every dinner table tonight to talk about your brand, is that interesting? Yeah. Right. Every, I mean, imagine the conversation starts up like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about switching razors. I'm like, Oh my God, you got to try this new one. Right. <laughs> like this is it. So invite these consumers in, get them excited about your brand, yeah. educate them about your brand and then let them do the talking for you. Right. Like you turned your marketing company into, or your marketing team into thousands of people overnight, right. Without really having to do too much. Yeah. Right? Well, you heard it folks. <laughs> um, thank you very much for coming in and for, telling us all these interesting things and talking to us about your journey. Uh, exciting times with the Crowd Analyzer acquisition, Absolutely. of course. We wish you all the best and thanks a lot. Thanks, Dali.